In this week's lesson, Brother Brzezinski continues the series on Ephesians with a lesson titled, Living a Life of Order, Roles for Relationships. Thank you, Jesus. Such a sweet spirit of God. And I'm thankful for that spirit of God because this topic tonight, I do not know how I get these topics. Um, Brother Kilman, I was kind of okay till you came in here too. It just makes it so much worse. Um, like, I think, I think one time I... You know, I had the lust topic, and then I had the money topic, and now I have, um, <coughs> well, Ephesians 5 and 21, 22, 23, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. That's it's going to be a fun night. I have enough rope here to hang myself a few times, <laughs> so this is going to be great. But, you know, I, I do think that a lot of the, the, the landmines that have to be navigated here tonight, are, it's not because... The Bible, we have nothing to be afraid of in the Bible. It's just culture that has really caused things to become askewed. The the ideas of the 60s and everything being deconstructed and feminism and all this kind of thing. So we're going to have a good time anyhow in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Oh, I hope so. How many ladies, how many guys? I think guys, we got David tonight, but we're still outnumbered. It's sad. We got Zach back there. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Now, I just want to ask you, what do you feel when you see that word or read that word or hear submission? What what feel please throw some words out at me. What what feelings come to mind instantly? Humble? That doesn't count. I just I get irritated. I get irritated. Like who are you to tell me to submit? That's that's the I think that's the natural flesh reaction. Is is it, if we're being honest, anybody else? Submission. Yikes. But, but you know, although it is a tough subject, what I just want to throw this out there for, for discussion's sake. You've probably seen this symbol a lot, and it's a powerful symbol. It's a powerful marketing campaign uh, for equality. I, I know this one's equality of marriage, you know, same-sex marriage. And I, is this a different one? I don't know. But, you know, equality is kind of a hot topic issue right in our in our culture and i i'm just going to admit to you i i have a cold i'm going to have cough drops in my mouth but equality is a hot button issue equality seems to be like just the thing it's it's if things are unequal that's bad we don't know why it's just bad and if we're equal it's just good let's not ask questions about it just we want equality we want equality of uh economics you know we want everybody to to have equal, uh, and I'm just talking about Western culture in general, the way things are moving. We want equality in between genders. We want equality between gay marriage. We want equality. We're so mad at the 1%. Why? I don't know. It's just they have more than we do, so we're mad at them. Okay, so wh why should we all be equal? Or, or to put it another way, in what sense should we all be equal? Uh, and this is just... An example, just to illustrate the point, should we all be equal in finances? Should we all just make $30,000 a year? And let's say somebody, uh, I love pricking on Brother Wong, but I, I won't. Let's say Dare makes like 80000 a year. Well, does that mean we should confiscate his 50000 and redistribute it to everybody so that nobody makes more than thirty? Huh? Just his. <laughs> now, we could, I could go with that, but... Uh, but, you know, the, it's a question, right? And, and 
I like this kind of graph because this is like on the left side, if we were all equal, like equality is like that black line. If we were all completely equal and we all like had our money confiscated and redistributed, you would admit that there's, there's very little freedom in that. Okay, so as we get less equal, like you, capitalism, like you can actually make your money and keep your money, well, then of course we're going to have inequality because some people work more, some people have more talents. So, and I'm just bringing this up, so is equality like the thing? And, and I would also say, you know, should we have equality in the church? Should we have equality, like complete equality in, in the family, on the job? Should there be complete equality in society? Should there be the, uh, complete equality? Is that a value that we should, should, should hold and, and pursue? Now, I'm all for uh, equality and opportunity. That's, that's a great nuance of equality. But just equality and like all these other things, well, not necessarily. And you cannot have equality and authority at the same time. You just can't. I won't even go there with like the co-equal trinity with the, <laughs> we won't go there. But if you're going to have authority, authority and equality, you can't exactly have them together. So uh, the Bible says that all things should be done decently and in order. And what is that? I know what I think about when I hear that said. I think about like, okay, we're not going to have dead space in service. We're not going to have chaos in the church service. Things should be done decently. They should move along. And I think that that's a true way to look at that. But how do we order a service? How is the service ordered? Is it through a program? No, the service is ordered actually not through a program, but it's ordered by spiritual authority. And you see this happen when like, you guys, you guys know that this happens all the time. Like IBC choir is just rocking it, right? And you've got everybody going down to the altar and there is a fervor in the altars. There's just a worship and, and the song is going for a while. People are getting pumped up. I mean, and there's just emotions. The kick drum's going louder. You know what I'm talking about. And sometimes pastor knows it's right to just you know, keep it going. Sometimes he, he redirects it and brings attention over to this point he wants to make. Sometimes he shuts it down and says, we're going to preach now. So what is he doing? Well, he's, he's the spiritual authority, and he's putting the directive in place that, all right, it's time that things are going to be done in order, and it's time where I say, and you don't know what he sees, you don't know what he sees. You don't know why he's doing what he's doing, but he's, he's, he knows what he's doing. So we submit to spiritual authority, and, and this is kind of the, the real concept of order, how a service is ordered. It's ordered by spiritual authority. So my goal tonight is simply to, uh, <laughs> before we jump into the uh, difficult parts of the lesson, my goal is to just help us understand that an ordered life is a blessed life. To be under authority, to have spiritual authority order our life, it's not just good for the corporate body, although of course it is, but to have spiritual authority order our lives is good for us personally. And I want to just cover a few things to solidify that understanding. And for a title, I'm going to call it Living an Ordered Life. And specifically, Paul touches three different relationship relationships. So these are going to be roles for relationships, living an ordered life. Uh, and before we get too deep in that, I use this verse in another lesson that I taught 
Galatians 3 and 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Well, Kevin, look at what it says here. I don't see any hierarchy here. I see equality. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. Well, true. And we're, and we're all equally saved. We're all equally part of the body. That's absolutely true. But does this mean that there's no hierarchy? Does this mean that we don't have authority? I don't think that's what it's saying. I, I, I agree. There's neither Jew nor Greek. Racial lines, not an issue. Neither male nor female. Well, yeah, in the church, male nor female, I get, I get what that's saying, but there's some things that it's not saying, too. Is there no distinction between male or female? Because I thought that male and female created he, them. So does this mean that all distinction between male and female is gone? I don't think so. But I do think that in terms of equality in the church, male and female were equal. So we're equal in that sense, but we're not the same, right? Uh, bond or free, you know, economic status, whatever. Uh, but, but this is not saying that we do away with all hierarchy and authority. It's just not. And, uh, and the fact of the matter is, is that Paul says it. The first verse that I have tonight is Paul saying, submit yourselves one to another. And God has always designated authority throughout history. We can just, we can look at Moses and let's just look at it real quickly. I want to read a verse. Uh, you guys probably know the story where the children of Korah come to Moses, who's the leader of the Israelites. And this tribe of Korah, they come to uh, Moses and Aaron and they say you take too much upon yourselves for all the congregation is holy in other words hey man we all can go do our sacrifices we can all pray we all have a certain covenant relationship with God what makes you two think that you're the boss man and what did Moses do did he say hey let's let's arm wrestle let's let's duke it out let's see who can get more support and let's fight it out. No, he just said, hey, God designated me the authority, so let's see what God decides. And he steps back. And God did come through and come through for him. So God does designate authority. It's just the fact of the matter. There's just no way around that. And I want to bring out two principles to just lay some foundation about authority. And the first one, uh, this is a picture I pretty much stole from Brother Kilman. Uh, and he's preached about it recently uh, with his sermon on authority, alignment, and anointing. Well, what was he talking about there? To me, it was like what he drew on the board at IBC one time. This is what I pictured as he was preaching that lesson. And when Brother Kilman drew this on the board, I was like, ah, I get it. Like, and this isn't maybe exactly the authority that you picture in your life, like exactly what I have written. But this is the general principle that I have in my head from from Brother Kilman, and it's just become a concept that, that I think is picturing it like this helps me. So you've got God, and then you have whatever other level, maybe it's you know, Pentecostal church authority, uh, of course your pastor's up there, maybe you have mentors like youth leaders or elders or other mentors that you have in the church, you have your parents, they may be in your spiritual authority, and then you, if you're doing it right, you are beneath every one of these authorities. And, and how does this work? As Brother Kilman says, if you're in alignment to your authority, then that's where and how 
It's how anointing flows down. If we're not submitted to our pastor, anointing is flowing to our pastor, but if we're way over here, that anointing is not going to get to us. That protection, that favor, that blessing is not going to make it to us. So this is a key principle in understanding how authority works. We need to be in alignment to authority to be capable, to be able to be in that flow of protection, blessing, and anointing. Uh, the second principle, and yes, it's another picture. I like pictures. Uh, this one is, is just, I'll, I'll read you a verse first. Luke 22, Jesus says, But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. So Jesus came to say, hey guys, go get me water, go do this, go do that. No, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. So the, what Jesus did was flip this upside down. In the world, when you're the CEO, you get to exercise authority upon people. Hey, go get me that coffee, man, right? But Jesus flipped it upside down. And he said, if you're the authority, you have the first responsibility to serve. So who's the biggest servant in this church? I'll give you some guesses, but I would guess, I'll give you two guesses. Paul Mooney, you're right. But, and then, you know, there's, who's the biggest servant in this class? Well, I'll just tell you, it's Brother Juan and Sister Janae Lopez. Because what, what, what this does, kingdom leadership is about service and it's about serving those beneath you the sacrifice the love the planning the fasting the prayer who's the beneficiary of that brother juan what do you get really what do you get out of times in your prayer closet praying for people in this class i can't we don't see it we don't give you a badge we're the beneficiaries of our leadership right so this is the way it works is is we're blessed by authority. Okay. Uh, I was listening to uh, Brother Mullins. He gave a talk to the young ministers. You were probably in that class. You too, Brother Kilman. I just heard it on a tape, but Brother Mullins was saying, he made this statement when talking to the young ministers. He said, the higher up you go, the more of a servant you become. And I heard our pastor on that tape just saying, yeah, that's right. He knows that's right. That's the reality of kingdom service and authority. It just is. Uh, David in, in 2 Samuel 5 and 12, he says, and the Bible says, and David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel. Why? And that he had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. David was the man after God's own heart, put into that position of authority. Why? So that he could amass armies and wealth and expand his earthly kingdom? No, but it was for the people of Israel's sake. Are we good so far? Do these principles make sense? Is it a little easier now to handle this next verse? I hope. <laughs> Juan's fine. You okay, Alex? Alex is good. All right. Well, we'll get, we'll get to the guys too. But wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. I don't want to make a whole lot of comment on this. Uh, and we can all understand why. But I do, I do want to just make a couple quick comments because how many people in here, probably most single, you think maybe you'd want to get married someday kind of? Okay, so maybe, maybe it would be beneficial if we look at like what's expected of marriage and we can use that to kind of guide our decision-making process, right? 
So for the single folks, uh, I would know. I would just point out the Bible says, "Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands." So, okay, your own husbands. And last time I checked, you guys get to pick your own husbands, right? That's a good thing. You get to choose your own. So choose wisely, right? Secondly, um, I think that this is important for male, guy, husband, wife, male, female, people in leadership, any anything. I think this is one of the key qualities that somebody needs to have. It's teachable. I, I, I think a better word would be teach shilling, like willing, te- willing to be taught. Because we're all able to be taught, but few of us are willing to be taught. It's difficult to be taught. I love to learn. I, I don't like to be taught. <laughs> but to to be teachable. So like how this works practically is no authority issues. So if there's somebody who, male, female, doesn't matter, uh, they can't stay on a job because the boss, they're always smarter than their boss and their boss is so, such a whatever. And then it's like every job they go to, they're there for 16, 18 months and then it's like that boss was dumb too. All right, well, that problem's following you around. I, I'm trying to figure this out, put two and two together. You know, if, if they've got issues with, you know, and, and there's circumstances, right? You've got to be wise about it. There's circumstances, and you understand that. But if it's a consistent pattern that they just have a problem with every authority in their life, red flag, because she's not going to want to follow you. And if it's the guy doing this, you're going to want to follow him when he doesn't want to be under the leadership of a pastor. So you need somebody who's able to submit to authority because, hey, we all submit to authority, every one of us. There's nobody that doesn't have an authority. There's no pastor that doesn't have a pastor. Amen. So if the Bible tells us that we need to respect and reverence the husband, maybe we should try to find people who are respectable, right? Um, And that's not to say, like, if you're married to somebody, if they're not respectable, you just write them off. But that's just to say, from our vantage point here, before we're married, let's make sure that we can respect the people ladies that you've got to follow if he turns out to have a serious issue you're stuck with it so try to find somebody who is respectable and and i i partially mean like equally yoked obviously equally yoked means they're in church that's obvious it also means like you guys are on the same level maybe intellectually maybe in certain other ways okay word to the wise moving on Last thing I want to say, and this doesn't really fall under the scope of the lesson, but, you know, just in line with this authority principle, uh, if you're getting married, do you really want to start your marriage, like, outside of the blessing of your pastor, outside of the blessing of family and your parents? So I would just say, and, you know, you you, you ought to strive for the blessing of your pastor, of your mentors, and of your family before you get married. Now, you have to use wisdom. There's extenuating circumstances again. Maybe your parents aren't in church, and the people they want for you is a little different than, you know, so there's, there's circumstances like that. But overall, why start in that kind, of, that kind of thing? Why not be under the protection and anointing and blessing of your authority and covering? Amen? All right. All right, husbands. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, ladies, I've got to be honest. I think the guys have the harder of the two. I really do. 
I'm just being honest. I think we do. I think this is way harder. All you guys have to do is is follow his leadership, and he takes the responsibility if it doesn't work out. That's a pretty... It's... I'm not saying a lot, okay? I, I don't even want to. I don't even want to touch any of this, okay? You got use wisdom, okay? Let's move on. Use wisdom, but this is what it looks like for a man. His responsibility as the authority means that he's the first one to sacrifice. He's he has responsibility. He has spiritual responsibility, financial responsibility. He's to nourish and love and care. So in the kingdom, when, when you get to be the authority, awesome. You get to be the one sacrificing. So, you know, ladies, you got it all right. You, in my opinion, if this is working how it should. So, do you guys know who this is? Raise your hand if you know who this is. Anybody? This is Audie Murphy. Uh, he was the most decorated soldier in World War II. And uh, not that it's super relevant, but... The guy was five foot five, had a baby face. I'm de- I'm dead serious. You don't believe me? It's true. Look look him up. Look him up. Huh? Yeah, I know it's hard to picture like what that size would be, but I'm trying to. So what? So what this guy did to earn? He did a lot of things, but one of the things he was put in charge of a company of about thirty people, and I think they were in Italy or France or somewhere during World War II, and they were kind of hunkered down, 30 of them, and there was an approaching German army coming at them, and he realized we're, we're dead unless something drastic happens because they're outnumbered. So what Audie does is he sees a tank with a machine gun on it, and he runs up, gets on the tank. By the way, the tank is on fire, like a gas line or something is started on fire. You know the story? Oh, okay. Okay. So he gets up on this tank, gets on this machine gun, obviously putting himself as like primary target for the German fire, exposed up on top of this tank, and he opens fire on these approaching Germans. During that time, the tank was hit by artillery fire twice. He gets back up, he's shooting at them, he's doing his thing, they end up winning the battle. And, and to me, that is a picture of what it means to be in charge. That means that you're the first one to get up on that tank and open fire against the enemy and put yourself in harm's way. Amen? So in, in the kingdom, the greatest shall be the least. And ladies, just let me ask you this. Would it be difficult to respect and follow a man who sacrificed for you, loved you, if chivalry was not dead? <laughs> If they, if they like lived up to 1 Corinthians 13 definitions of love, would it be hard to respect and follow that person's leadership? Or, would you, or is that what you really want? If, if you were honest, would you admit that is what I really want? All right. So that wasn't too hard, was it? Moving on to the next relationship. Children, obey your parents. And I, I don't want to... This is obvious stuff. I don't want to get too much into like just cumbersome kind of stuff, but I just want to tell a little story about how I made it to Indianapolis. I didn't want to come to Indianapolis. I was in Wisconsin. I was doing my thing. I didn't want to come here. It wasn't on my agenda. It wasn't my plan. I I was living life. Had no interest in Indianapolis. Had no interest in church. 
uh, and I wanted to go up to play music with my friends. I wanted to quit college, go move up to Duluth with them, and play music. That's what I wanted to do, just being honest. And my parents said, okay, but we're paying for four years of college, four consecutive years of college. If you drop out, sorry about you. So they, <laughs> I made my choice to stay. Uh, again, my grandma was working on me, working on me, working on me. One day my grandma said to me, Kevin, I want her to go up and work over the summer at a tube and canoe rental place. <laughs> and my grandma sat down with me and she's like, Kevin, you need to go to Indianapolis. You need to intern with your uncle. You need to do it. I had no reason to, to listen to my grandma. I didn't want to do it. But I just said, I, I don't know what it was. Was it God moving in my life? Sure. But it was God moving through my grandma and my parents. And by obeying them, God had his hand in my life. Does that make sense? And obviously I came here and I've been here ever since. I stayed. God got a hold of me. You know the rest of the story. But I've got another brother who's still up in Duluth. Living up in Duluth, you know him. Uh, his name's Tyler. I love Tyler. But the guy's rebellious. Senton Dare, you know Tyler. The other day, my mom just said, hey, let's get a Thanksgiving picture. Let's get the family together. Tyler, go comb your hair. And he was mad and upset about having to comb his hair. I mean, just rebellious, just for no reason, rebellious. So, you know, we, we spiritualize things, and we should. We should obey God, but sometimes it's very, very, very practical. Sometimes just following the voice of our parents, think about it, folks. Your parents birthed you. You, you share the same flesh and blood. Are they going to want what's bad for you? Probably not. I understand some parents aren't in church. Some are. I get that kind of thing. Use wisdom. But overall, do your parents want what's bad for you? No. I mean, just in a very practical way. You know, honoring your parents is never wrong. You don't always have to listen to your parents if they're off, but honoring your parents is never wrong. All right, let's move on. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ. Now, how many here are bond servants? How many have a master? Not very many, okay. But the practical application for us today is employers and employees. And, you know, I will just, I'm going to be a little candid. Uh, the millennial generation, like roughly 18 to 29, we don't have the best reputation in the workplace. Brother Juan, you can probably attest to this. I mean, it's horrible. It's, and I work with a lot of like 40 to 45-year-old people at the executive level, and they just come to realize, well, we know they're entitled. We know they're lazy. We know they don't really get work stuff. Uh, but we got to deal with it. We got to make it all about them. We have to cater to the millennials, otherwise we're not going to get any work out of them. That's sad. But but you know what is the silver lining of that is that as apostolic Christian young people, we don't have much competition in the workplace. If we will just give an honest 40 hours, if that's what we're contracted to do, or an honest hour of work, if that's what we're contracted to do, would you not love somebody who just shows up when they say they'll show up? and do the work that they say they're going to do. They don't have to be workaholics. We just have to be loyal, honest, ethical, 
do what we say we're going to do? So when we're on the workplace, that's what we ought to be doing. When, do, when possible, going above and beyond, but we got to be better than, than the culture. we got to be better, better than the millennial generation. Amen? It's true. It's so true. Uh, we had a guy at work who, uh, he's a, he was a developer, and the, the bosses went to him, and they're like, hey, man, we need you to, like, be here for eight hours a day. And, and the guy's like, oh, you, you mean like, you guys mean like this was a, a literal eight hours a day? They're like, yeah, it's a literal eight hours a day. You're 40 hours a week divided by five, eight, eight hours a day. <laughs> it's a literal eight hours a day. You know, if, if that's the agreement we've made with our employer, let's honor it, right? So, uh, and, and truthfully, in Paul's day, he's talking about a situation that's much, 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 much worse. These are bond servants who maybe they got paid something, I think, but like not even minimum wage. It's not like like we would have a concept of. This is much more like indentured servitude type stuff, right? Um, so we've got it so good, and if Paul's telling this crowd, you need to submit to your masters even if they're unfair and cruel and whatever, I think that we can at least be honorable, my goodness, in a, in a capitalistic system that will reward us monetarily if all we do is show up and do work. We should be, I'm not saying workaholic employees, but we, sh- we should be one of the best, one of the most faithful. Not going to beat that, that horse dead, all right? All right, so in closing, all Christians submit. We should not, to me, I, I, I don't exactly see, I do, I do see, I do see why ladies have a tough time submitting, submitting to their husbands. And that's because, unfortunately, I think that we have a lot of uh, guys in this generation who'd rather play video games than live up to what the Bible demands of Christian husbands. I think that's true. But, you know, the fact of the matter is we all do submit on some level. It's nothing unique to ladies. It's just the order. It's just the order of spiritual authority. And I didn't make it up. You didn't make it up. The Bible teaches it. So there you have it. All Christians submit. And it's a it's not true it is not true that submission equals oppression. That's just a lie. That's just a lie. I'm, I'm actually, in fact, it's not just a lie, it's the opposite. It's submission to, the, to authority, which is the principle and method by which good things flow into my life. It's just true. It's just true. And on the flip side of that, of course, to repeat this again, the price of leadership is sacrifice. The price of getting to be the head, congratulations, we get to serve more. Congratulations, we get to be the first to sacrifice. That's kingdom leadership. So imagine with me, if you will, there's a story in the Bible about Jonathan and where's Alex? Could you just play a little for me? Would that be all right? I gave you a compliment. At least, thank you. You're a good man. 
But in the Bible, uh, Jonathan, uh, there, there's that story where he's like going to go attack the, I think it's a position of the Philistines. And he's got his armor bearer with him. And the armor bearer says this to Jonathan. He says, do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. So the armor bearer is saying, hey, whatever is in your heart, I'm behind you. I'm with you. Let's do this. Now, I just, I just want to throw this out there. What would families be if the husband and the wife were on the same team? And, and you know what? Let's just sidetrack a little bit. Do we have an issue with manhood in this culture? Yeah, we do. Let's be honest. But you know what we also have an issue of? I think I'm just a little old school, okay? And I think that a man is truly a man when he's got a lady to help empower him to be a man. I, I just believe that. So, you know, maybe partly what the problem is with manhood is that all these ladies want to just go do their own thing and stick it to the men, and, and they don't want to be on a team with them. So what if we were on a team? What if husband and wife had this kind of attitude that Jonathan's armor bearer had and said, do all that is in thine heart. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. I know you're, I, I, I've been with you. We've been through the trenches. I trust you. I'm with you, whatever you decide to do. And what would that do for your boss, your employer, even if he's rude? If you came into that office every day and said, hey, I know I'm not just working for a dollar. Where are we going? What's the vision? I'm with you. Whatever's in your heart, give me the vision. I'm working for your behalf. I'm not just working for a dollar to see how little I can get by with. I'm with you. Whatever's in your heart, I'm here to build your dream. And what would we do is if in this class we got behind Brother Juan in that same way? Brother Juan, hey, we're with you. Whatever's in, whatever your vision is, let's do it. What would we do if we came to worship and we weren't just kind of coaxing through worship, kind of slow to get on the upkeep, but we came in there saying, Pastor, whatever your vision is, let's do this. Let's move forward. Let's move forward and let's push your vision forward. It'd be different. So that's the lesson. That's the lesson. It's that authority and order, it's not to put us in some kind of submission and subjection, but it's for our good. And the sooner that we can get behind our authority, the sooner that we can get beneath the spiritual protection and blessing, the sooner that anointing is going to flow into our lives, the sooner the church moves forward and our own personal lives are blessed.
I just want to pray for you. It's a hard thing, but you know what? Authority is for us. It's not against us. Authority is for you, Alex, not against you. Authority is for us. Jesus, I thank you for your word. It's just, it's just Bible, and we want to be underneath the truth of your Bible. We want to be underneath the authority that you've laid out for us to be underneath. We thank you for the people, the mentors, the teachers, the pastors. We wouldn't, none of us would be here except that we've been blessed by just listening and obeying and saying, yes, we, we want to get underneath what you're doing. We, we sense God in you. We, we want to follow whatever's in your heart. Jesus, I just pray that you'd bless these people in a world that says that everybody should just get their own. You've told us, get underneath your authority and push. Jesus, help these group of people. If there's somebody here, God, who's wondering, should I listen to my parents? Should I listen to my pastor? Get that, get that demonic idea out of their head. Help them to just say yes to your authority because that's where protection is. That's where blessing is. Help us, God. Help us, God.